Good evening. You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Tonight, I'm joined by John Balding. Howdy, howdy. Hope everybody's doing pretty good. Not too bad. Uh, so we're tardy getting to this, but I think we were both slow to climb aboard uh, Constantine Shusen's High Fleet, which is yet another entry in the crowded Lunar Lander, Bullet Hell, Naval Wargame, roguelike visual novel genre. No, but John, I think I think this like brings us to maybe the first issue we encounter with this game, which is what is High Fleet, or more accurately, if you play the tutorial, the the sort of opening prologue tutorial, what does High Fleet appear to be, and then what does High Fleet reveal itself to be? High Fleet looks like a a game of sort of tactical action combat where you are controlling these not so agile flying battleships and cruisers and interceptors and you are engaging in this sort of real-time combat with them and so there's a lot of aiming and skill and prediction involved and then at the other end of the game you have this very open diegetic interface where you've got all these levers to push and things to move and uh, radios to pull up and intercept transmissions, and you're very concerned about logistics. Am I going to have enough fuel to get to the next city? When I get to that city, am I going to have enough money to repair my ships and buy more fuel? But that is that's like the the cover, like the the camouflage tarp over a pit trap filled with wooden stakes. That is the actual game. Yeah, and I think to an extent, it's not that it hides the stuff. Um, and in fact, like I've talked about this before, uh, you know, over on on Waypoint or like on streams we've done around it. But like, had I just started with the manual, which they built out a very extensive manual, uh, it's a great manual too. It is. It's beautiful. It's old school, and it does a very good job of like really like showing you pretty clearly what this game is meant to be, but. I foolishly didn't have faith that, like, who looks for a manual these days? You don't so think to open just, it. Yeah, I kind of just figured that the tutorial taught me what I needed to know. And what it, I think the, the, the thing is, it's not that systems were hidden. It is that some games require, I mean, all games require this to an extent, but it, it, it really is a question of how complicated is the framework um, but they require like a conceptual framework that the mechanics sit within. And you come out of the prologue and you're like, yeah, here are the mechanics. Like you a little, you know, gotta make sure you got money to pay, pay for shit. You gotta make sure that your ships stay stay fueled. You play these little action sequences uh with ships like zipping around Lunar Lander style, dodging shots. Yeah. Um and all those pieces, like you learn to use them. You can like capture radio intercepts uh like from, from the enemy on the strategy map. All this stuff is up front, but it took me a little while, and I think maybe a desperate, like, I posted a thing to Twitter. Where I was basically like, I wish I liked iFleet, but it sucks. Like, sorry. Like, sorry <laughs> if you like iFleet. I hate this game. Uh, I, like, I think it's really cool looking, but then, like, I don't want to play this, like, weird arcade shooter, uh, whether it's a strategy game. And people start replying, being like, well, you know, that's not really like you shouldn't be playing it that way. That's not really what's decisive here. Really kind of like, you know, 
managing different carrier groups, etc. And so I started like, okay, I got enough like indicators that because I was doing the FTL thing where I was like trying to make a beeline because even there they show you little routes leading up to the objective. Absolutely. Yeah. And so you're like in FTL mode and it wasn't just me. Like, uh, you know, my buddy at Waypoint Radio, our producer, Ricardo, he also, because he saw the little lattice work of paths was like, yeah, it's FTL, you know, node to node. Um, and, and even though I knew you could be forgiven for thinking that because when you look at this, you don't think this is my in-universe strategic tactical map where I have a mission I've been given. And this is my theater of operations that I need to conquer, right? Your job is to get your, you're the prince of this empire. The empire's fallen. You've got your little fleet and you need to get to the enemy capital of Kiva and capture it. And you're vastly outnumbered and sort of doomed, right? Yeah. And so you might think this is a video game and you would see the web of, of locations and you would go from point A to point B and be like, oh, this one's a merchant place, which means it has more stuff for me to loot. I'm going to I'm going to go there. Right. But you you'd be wrong because it when you look at that interface, it, it's an in-universe document. And it I don't know, it probably took me 10 hours to really figure that out. Like I sat here and played this game for so long before I understood like, oh. I'm supposed to be using the empty space between these cities. I can turn around and go backwards. So, yeah, it didn't take me long to realize I could use the empty space, but I still thought, like, everything was pointing toward, like, work with these nodes. Like, get to the objective as quickly as possible. Right. And it took me forever to realize that, like, what if you treated these more like really valuable islands in the Pacific in World War II or something? Because that is the mode that we're actually operating in because, and this was, this was the hardest thing, like it was the last thing to sort of dawn on me. Right. Was that, as you said, you are in this, air, in this theater of operations, you have a powerful fleet, but it is completely outmatched by what is there. You are outnumbered. If they find you, you're, you, cannot, you cannot get through if they keep finding your position and you wage pitch battle after pitch battle. Yeah, absolutely. And I was, I was continually just getting slowly whittled down. I would get a few like rungs up the ladder, basically, and then my force would get beaten down. Um, it would be stuck in dry dock for so long. It would take forever to repair. And bit by bit, it started to dawn on me that, like, I had I just kind of assumed that that beautiful diegetic interface was mostly the style point. Didn't dawn on me that, like, every radio intercept call you get coordinates with the position of a ship persists in the universe it's not there for flavor it's not there to like mark that something spawned into being near you yeah it was always there and the advantage you like it is a stealth game in the way that like world war ii sub games are stealth games yeah except the difference here is that through a variety of means it gives you enough opportunities to gather intelligence particularly signals intelligence or sigint is going to be our word of the day today. Yes, it is. That you can have near-perfect information, even though the game doesn't... Like, if you're waiting for something, the, the game to mark stuff on the map, that happens very rarely. But 
if you are able to extrapolate from what the game is showing you and mark stuff and by the way you can mark stuff down in the interface yourself oh yeah you've got your you've got like a compass you've got your pencil right like a measuring tape yeah to draw all over it all of this stuff like if you use all these tools and use all the like bits and pieces of like radio intercepts you get radar returns you get um warnings that so you have active search radar which has a little sweeper around 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 the interface but you also have elint radar which senses incoming radar signals yeah it's your passive radar right and so if you use all of that suddenly from the like fog of war you end up being able to assemble a really detailed picture of what is out there and more importantly if you begin to spread out your fleet and have more like viable like groups out there in different regions to pick up more radio signals, you right. get more information. And so we forever to realize that that's the game that like getting that information and yes. acting on it is the game. And everything else is in dialogue with that and supercharged by it. Yeah. It, it's, a very strange moment, I think, when you realize that you're fighting, it's it's making you fight a real war, and so the most important thing for you to know is where your enemy is and what they are doing. Which is, it's, it's weird to say, is so contrary to so many other strategy games. Right? When's the last time you played an RTS where the most important thing was for you to know where the other guy was? Not yeah, like scouting is important, but like unit comp will trump scouting, economy yeah. will trump it. Uh, right. Yeah, like, and even, and the thing is, so you'd say, well, it's true of war games, right? Like, uh, if we talk about like Yujin games, they, their whole thing has often been about like spotting and unreliable right. intel and such. Um, in, in various naval war games, a lot of it is all like this stuff exists, but. I think an important thing is, um, for one, they don't have good systems to model it. Like, SIGINT isn't interesting in a war game where, like, you just click to make a fleet go around. And, like, if all this were automated, it's not terribly engaging. It would just be occasionally, right. like, okay, I guess my cruiser group now marks this position, they detected a signal, et cetera, who knows. But the fact that, like, they make the decision here to say, well, you have to be the radio man. You have yeah. to be the intelligence officer aboard the ship as well. That kind of recasts everything because, one, I think it makes it a little more fun, but also in the process of you doing the detective work about... Like, I, like I thought a lot about Silent Hunter games while I was playing this, because Silent Hunter, you would get similar things where, okay, we know an allied convoy is at X and X position right now, a routine thing you'd have to do is sort of plot like, so where can I intercept them? Like, how do I, like, where do I need to park my U-boat? Right. And have, and you would go to a similar map table and sort of like assess like, okay, I can get this far in this amount of time. This game makes you do all that. Um, and then at every turn, like you're rewarded for having executed that correctly because once you have that intelligence advantage, you can pick fights identify targets of opportunity there's all sorts of like merchant convoys in this world going back and forth that you can hijack yeah it means you can buy more ships if you capture them using the stolen money 
all the stuff begins to feed off each other and you realize that you know to your point about you realize you're fighting a real war you would not have guessed that from the fact that the way you fight that war the way it is induced is via a shmup yeah absolutely you and you can't you can't beat this game and be really okay i'm sure you can but you can't you can't really beat this game and be absolutely terrible at the shooting but also you don't have to be that great at it to figure out the strategy that's going to let you win and i find that so fascinating especially because there are so many weapon systems in this game that don't even really involve playing the combat playing the game at all yeah right like you can build out now ultimately like i think i'm wired this way i tend to build like pretty balanced forces with like a mix Mm -hmm. um but one of the things that i found myself pushing with um the stream we've done at waypoint is i've been trying to push not really successfully because like it's it's a prohibitively expensive strategy but um if you have the money to burn on buying carriers they're so good buying missile boats absolutely you can yeah you can just not fight the tactical layer because you'll be sending out airstrikes and long-range missiles and never come within visual range of the enemy and like yeah you can just play the game that way and in the end of the game you almost certainly have to the end of the game you have no choice yeah like if, if you are not comfortable with like missile targeting and like completely over the horizon warfare by the end of the game you're in for a rude awakening you're in for a real treat (laughs) that's what i was in for i mean the first time i played i had no idea what was coming at the end i had avoided spoilers and i hit the sort of i thought i had one point of the game and so i had made some sort of desperate gambles just up to them and i was sort of short on resources and yep nope yeah my my what appears to be the end is not the end, just like an actual warfare. Like the enemy doesn't just give up at at the point of uh, no return, I guess. Yeah, we're going to talk specifically about the end game, I think, before the show is out, because it is a really interesting phase of the game uh, yeah. that, that changes things up. But yeah, I had a similar experience where the first time I reached Kiva, which is the objective, right? Uh, I did it on fumes. Like the last ships I had basically like took the city and they were like completely Swiss cheesed with battle damage. And like, had I secured the area? No, I was actually heavily outnumbered in the region. Like I knew their enemy fleets like right next door. And I was just like, no, but if I get to the flag, I'll just win the game and it'll be over. And that's not how the game works. Um, And so I had to basically re rack and do a completely new run to like now build the game out, knowing what is waiting for me at the end. But I, but I do think that there is one other thing that I want to call out here, which is that I don't think this game does itself favors by the fact that, and everything with the easiest difficulty, it, uh, it unfolds according to roguelike rules, which is that, like, you know, it, it, yeah. you can't save scum, which I understand why you'd want, like, ultimately the game to be intended to play this way, be played this way, but the thing is, there's so many finicky little systems that you want to master. Right. And like, if you don't have the, the virtue of safe scumming is that you can try stuff out, 
see how it unfolds and immediately reload and like now that you know how this works a little better try something a little different like refine like for instance um there's different flavors of cruise missile absolutely you kind of like it's not clear how they're going to behave um until you shoot them yeah but each time you shoot them you're setting a huge amount of money on fire yeah um absolutely yeah but the game the roguelike for a small ship for a week right yeah you're just shooting it off into the void and you're like i don't know how cruise missiles work what am i a cruise missile technician no yeah and 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 because it's it's sort of that roguelike system it kind of discourages the experimentation that i think like playing it on easy suddenly i was able to just be like okay i'm just gonna keep like reloading i I basically bookmarked my progress throughout phases because i was like I need to be able to try some other stuff because like I am trying to confirm whether my understanding of this game is correct. Yeah. It's, it's one of the rare games where I'm like, yeah, just start playing it on easy. No, seriously, because you won't be able to figure out how everything works. Yeah, it is. The first time through, it's very hard on easy. (laughs) At least it was for me. And it, it can be really brutal. And there, and there are really only a very limited number of places to save as well. Yeah, like the game unfolded in a series of chapters, but like once I would, yeah, it gets um, it gets pretty hairy, and uh, you 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 definitely like will find yourself in a position where like suddenly you're playing with no margin for error. Um, yeah, absolutely, and there's a lot of no margin for error in this game, and sometimes it's frustrating. A lot about this game is frustrating, in fact. I um you know okay so you know what playing high fleet reminds me of hmm. you have a you have a dishwasher <laughs> you know it just broke well congratulations you know the bottom of the dishwasher there's that trap thing uh-huh. right you got to clean that out every once in a while it reminds me of cleaning the trap at the bottom of the dishwasher which is that it's kind of gross and a little messy but at the end, you're probably extremely satisfied with yourself for what you've done. What parts are like cleaning the trap? Every single part of this game that involves understanding how a mechanic fundamentally mm-hmm. works, I think, is like cleaning yeah. the trap. Yeah. It, you just you end up really doing a at least I did a lot of trial and error, or you're going to go on and read where other people have figured out how the game works, or even like had to dig into the code to figure out how things work. And that can be kind of frustrating in a lot of games. And especially in one that's as unforgiving as high fleet. Yeah. Where there's, there's like a handful of mistakes in this game that are just, fatal brutally difficult to recover from and those they really hurt especially like this is a great example some mechanics in this game are like landing when you arrive at a settlement you've got ships you might want to have them repair if you land them in the settlement they'll repair faster which means you go into this little literal lander mini game and you put them down on a pad which means you have to get the right speed, and you have to slow them down fast enough, and you have to select a pad that's the right size for the ship. And this is very easy the first few times you do it, but then you start bringing in battle-damaged ships that you'd like to repair. And maybe you've got, like, an enemy strike group hot on your ass, 
and you need to get them repaired and get out of there really quickly because you're trying to escape out into the desert, right? Yep. So now you've got to land a ship that maybe in the last combat it lost half of its landing gear. You get as many tries as you want to do that, High Fleet. You're allowed to retry a hard landing as much as you want. Great. But what about the first time you come across like an enemy carrier group and it starts throwing cruise missiles and strike fighters at you? There's no do-over there. You just lose all your ships and it's fucking game over. Because yeah, you didn't really understand how the like, oh, it's going to put me in combat and then I'm going to have to sort of eyeball these tiny enemy fighters as they come in and try and shoot them down with my close-in weapon systems. I think I might have forgotten to put any of those on my ships. Or maybe I don't have any ships oh. with close-in weapon systems. Or maybe I didn't know or kind of had forgotten that C is the key that launches anti-air missiles. How do anti-air missiles work? Can I shoot down my own anti-air missiles? Yes, you can. There are... Yeah, the... um, Okay, the ship designer, again. Like, to be the most three moves ahead, we can't. Like, I hate it. I hate this ship designer, uh, by the way, because you mentioned we all like, hate ship design. I mean, there's nothing there's never been a good ship designer, and I doubt there ever will be. But this one is a bad one, even by those. It standards. is like because though I I hate it, but also it is sort of fun. I use. think the things you can do in it are fun. Like this has right. such a the weapon systems and electronics in this yep. game are Absolutely. enormously okay, no, fun you're to right. play with. The end product of this ship designer is actually fun and matters to the game. The ship designer itself is terrible. And because they made this decision to... There are no... It's not like the ships you have in this game are like manufactured airframes like each one has hard points and you like it's like battle max where like right uh you know there there might be different versions of like the centurion that have different like hard points on them but ultimately like a centurion looks a lot like another centurion it's not that they're naval ships each one right. is bespoke but it's also as if at any moment you can just carve a new hull out of thin air and like absolutely re like so you can change the ship's shape, but all that requires literally layering in bits of like hull frame and then putting subsystems like power generators and such through yeah. it and like crew quarters. And now that all changes the flight dynamics. But the big thing, but the big thing is like to significantly like overhaul a ship, you basically have to tile together a huge portion of ship hull. Using interface is not very good. And that is a real pain in the ass to use. And that's before you can start doing the stuff that you came here to do, which right. is installing weapon systems and electronics that are going to change like what the ship can do in combat. And like, God help you if you forget to add enough hull because you were like, oh, I'm going to add like, you know, some uh, some new electronics receivers on this. My little scout ship here. It's really fast and it's got a big fuel tank. I mean, did you remember that you're going to have to add crew quarters and a new power generator to power all those things? Because you're going to have to redo most of the ship to do that. And there's not really any tool to redo most of the ship. You can't, like, you can't even, like, mass select and delete parts. Right. 
or like copy paste them or se- temporarily well, separate you can a chunk of parts. Accidentally delete crucial parts at any moment. You can Absolutely. like cause large portions of a ship to fall apart because you like click the load bearing thing and a bunch of like pieces just fall away in your inventory. <laughs> and you're like, okay, I need to hit undo. Let's Completely let's true. retry that. Uh, so like that part, like that part frustrates me because the thing is, it is really interesting to be sitting there being like, I wish what my fleet needs is basically an escort ship, like a flagship. There are some ships that are sort of built to do that out of the gate. Like there are some classes that are better at that role. But yeah. like if you are sitting there with like your your fleet that you've you've cobbled together and like you have a veteran crew, um, you don't want to get rid of this ship, but you would like to change what it does, even though the game encourages you to do that. Oh, you can dismount and remount different hardware on it, right and left. Ultimately it is such a pain in the ass to do that I find myself interacting with that stuff way less than I would. Yeah. Because like I was I was just I was honestly I was saying I was like just praying that just give me hard points, right? Like just give me sockets where I can put in different equipment and then like create some other limitation that like if I do this now I'm overweight and the ship can't fly or something. I don't know. But like do not make me like sculpt out like big scoops of hull with like a bunch of equipment I don't yeah. care about. Just or don't understand, especially yeah. the beginning. Like, I don't know what this is. I don't know. I can't even figure out where the guns are on this ship I just got. What kind of guns are on it? Why can, you don't know. Why can some of these guns shoot in 360 degrees, but some get block, blacked out by the hull? They can't, like, they can't shoot through. Like, I understand, yeah. like, why it can't shoot to the other side of the ship. That makes sense. Except sometimes they seem to be able to do that. Sometimes, like, some guns do have 360 coverage without, like, not entirely clear to me why that operates that way, but like, and I'm sure those answers exist, but they're within that ship design, and I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not going to bother with it. So that was a, that was a bit of a sticking point for me, which is that like a big part of this is, you know, you like, you loot good equipment off enemy ships. Like you might in the aftermath of battle, yeah, end up with the most powerful radar in the game probably won't that I, I think it tends to only proc uh like when you deal with some really major vessels toward the end of the game but like there's a chance yeah, that absolutely. you will end up with a radar that's equivalent to the radar that's on your flagship uh which is like massive range uh for passive sensing really long range still for uh active sensors um like literally that that radar is more expensive than uh, you know, the balance of most ships. Yeah. But like nothing in the game encourages you to say, ah, I found this really like great gun or I found this like really awesome piece of electronics. I'll just slap that aboard with my other ships and now it has this cool new new function. Usually I'm looking at that stuff and I'm like, I'm just going to sell that. I'm going to sell that or I'm going to keep it in my back pocket in case God help me I have to replace it aboard another ship. Yep. Yep. Um, which I can't, is, but I can't disagree. And I, to a certain extent, you can treat some of the designs like templates, right? Yeah. Once you start to understand the basics of the game, you can get in and say, okay, I want to take the 
the, the 57 millimeter automatic cannon off this. I don't want to replace it with this different heavier cannon, right? You can just sort of click around and do that stuff. Um, the effects of some of the ships, though, and what exactly it's going to mean and how you should use it is not always that clear. And I think, I think the most brutal thing is that some of the base starting ship designs are bad ships. And that seems like a really cruel trick to play yes, on yes. the player, right? Where you are told coming into this, and it seems obvious that you you belong to the coolest, most badass sky battling warrior empire on this planet, and your ships are great, and everything they do is great. And the descriptions of a few of them are very clear that, like, yeah, this one's a gas guzzler because fuels and money aren't an issue ever for you guys. Or this one's really expensive and hard to get replacement parts for because it's got all this fancy electronics in it, right? That stuff is clear, but the, like, the idea that some of your base designs are just bad is, is really painful. The, um... God, there's, like... So, for one, a cheap one that they offer, Kata was asking, asking about this over on the stream, uh, the yeah. Rook. The little Corvette that the like oh it's a they experimented with using it as a sort of bombing uh like light ship. right yeah here's a bomber well that is the most inefficient way of getting a bomber like absolutely it's worthless it can't fight and it's actually too slow to be a bomber bombers are only useful when they capture when they catch something on the ground yeah um unless you're going up against like a massive capital ship, ship. Where, yeah where like it's like carrier and now you're able to just like you know, drop it, a uh, drop bomb on it midair. Right. Um, but at the opening of the game, the rook will not be able to. So every time you reach an enemy garrison, uh, you have a chance of catching them by surprise and yeah. like finding them on the ground. And that's where bombs can really do work. But the devastating. Is, but the rook is so slow that actually, if the rook is in that strike group, enemy sensors will pick it up and they will be in the air before the rook arrives. Yeah. Game doesn't tell you that. Even more, like to your point about like some of the designs just sucking, I want to say the Intrepid Mark II is actually worse than the Intrepid Mark I. Um, I think there's like one ship where like there are some stats <laughs> that, that are better. Is that really a thing? Like the Intrepid, like neither Intrepid is much of a bruiser, but I want uh -huh. to say the Mark II is like slow as shit and only marginally better in combat. That's and cool. so, yeah, so like if you get if you get the, like, I want to say the Intrepid 1, you have, like, some fast strike capacity. Right. If you get the Intrepid 2, you have a slow-moving, like, light skirmisher that will end up in, like, big shooting, like, matches where yeah. the Gladiator reigns supreme. Like, you it's know, It's not going to do you any good. I, I never used the Intrepid because I was like, fuck that heavy attack Corvette. I either need to be fast or I need to be invincible. Pick one. Yep. Right, like somebody, somebody just said, like buy as many gladiators as you can. That's not necessarily bad advice. It's pretty um, good advice, honestly. Yeah, like the gladiator, its weapons are decent against almost everything, but like the very heaviest ships. Um, it's reasonably maneuverable. Yeah. Um, yeah, the gladiator, and it's just fast enough that like it, it can stand a decent chance of uh, catching people by surprise sometimes. Um, but it doesn't really need to. So who cares? Yeah, uh, no, I uh, and the gladiator has its um, 
it's the right cannon weight for some of the really common special ammunitions, right? Mm -hmm. So you can buy incendiary rounds for it really easily, or you can buy laser guided or armor piercing so you can customize it and go up against stuff that's dangerous if you need to. Well, and um, so I saw, like, I, I played around with those weapons. They're, they're really cool, like laser guided munitions, uh, the ability to, like, lightly guide and steer weapons to target Beautiful. is cool. Um, Proximity Ricardo, fuses, extremely he, so satisfying. Ricardo couldn't hit shit and went all in on prox fuses to deal with the problem. Go for and it. I, I had just never pushed the prox fuse strategy to the limit where, like, we are carrying full loads of proximity fuses <laughs> in every battle and like we aren't shooting standard ammunition we are shooting proximity ammunition right the efficiency of that is just wild because nothing ever truly misses like yeah. every single shot is like flaking off armor they might be hitting less hard but like again right unless you're going up against the heaviest capital ships enemy can't shoot through the cloud of flak missiles yeah, and, can't do shit and that is such a big part of this is the the sort of play and counterplay. I don't know the, what the perfect name for it is, but it's sort of this, it's, it's pseudo electronic warfare, right? It's all countermeasures and stuff. So you've got flares and you've got missiles and you've got enemy uh, artillery shots coming in and you need to figure out how to weave your shots into that pattern yes. so that your missiles and shots hit, but theirs miss or so that you fire yours in such a way that part of your salvo takes down their salvo. Like that's that stuff a, so, is so they're fun. They're all physical objects in the in the space. Yeah. So like, yeah, if two shots run into each other, they will set each other off. Which means Absolutely. that yeah, you can like, um, you can time it so that you'll be spraying machine gun rounds and like flak rounds at an enemy heavy as its main batteries are firing, and those rounds, massive like artillery shells, will detonate in their face because like they will just get planked yes uh by a piece of light ammo and that becomes a key strategy to beating heavier ships because like you need to play efficient like it, it certainly helps if you're playing efficiently in this game right and so like being able to set off missiles as they are being launched uh stop enemy salvos from like getting even anywhere near you all the stuff becomes part of it and that's the other thing is that like bullet hell thing there are places where the bullet hell thing is very real because you're going to be timing like you can see when enemies are about to fire. Right. And so you start timing like when do I begin? You'll like let your ship drift in one direction. So they'll begin like leading you in one direction. And as they are firing, now they can't adjust the shot anymore. You hit the thrusters and go somewhere else and right, you can start yeah. dance between the shots. Whatever ship has inertia, et cetera. Again, yeah. all the bullets are physical objects. And so even there, the, the bullet hell aspect of it, it ends up being kind of tactically interesting, even though it's using all like reflexes and arcade strategies, like positioning your ship and like, especially when you're overmatched, consistently hammering yeah. on like one portion of the enemy ship rather than like spreading your damage around their armor plate. becomes a huge part of this. Like you want to core through them. Absolutely. And you want to learn stuff about certain ships, right? Like some of the enemy ships that are really dangerous have these huge design flaws where you're like, well, the armor is really weak on on the top of this ship, right? And it's got this giant 400 cubic meter fuel tank sitting in the center. If I can just bust through that pretty light, you know, it's reinforced structure or whatever up there, but 
if I can get a salvo through that and hit that fuel tank, ship's fucked. Maybe I'm not going to get that much salvage, but I win, right? Right, and you'll have to make those same calculations of like one of my favorite ships. Um, I think was the Archangel, uh, which is basically like a super gladiator. It has the same flight yeah. characteristics of the gladiator, uh, the same basically the same armor profile of the gladiator. It's just a much bigger and meaner ship, but it's actually pretty light for it's like it's a it's a heavy capital ship, but among the heavy capital ships, it's like the lightest. Right. And so it's super vulnerable. But the thing is, it's the capital ship. It's the one capital ship that you can still kind of steer as if it's like one of the frigates. Right. And yeah. you realize that that thing has like this mushroom armor layer over it. And so the Archangel's job is just to dance around like beneath the enemy, shooting up into their underbelly. Um, if it if it's like in a side to side slugging match, it doesn't have armor plating there. It has a really big extended engine assembly that's really easy to yeah, get like, chewed right. through. So you end up needing to like hug the ground almost with this thing. And yeah, fire you want to stay the underneath them, right? Like it's sort of yeah. a every every ship that knife fights in some way knife fights differently in this game, which I love. And then I also love the fact that like the super heavies, it is like the skill there becomes about just using overwhelming force in the most like bullying destructive way. Like the first, Absolutely. Like, when, you, when you take the Sevastopol, which is your flagship into combat, which for I the record is a piece of shit and also goes on the list of bad ships. They give you at the start of the game comparatively to other, uh, capital ships. You'll put that out there. Well, okay. So, Actually, so I think it's, I think it's actual Achilles' heel is that it's really slow. It's so um, slow. On the and strategic, it's super fuel hungry too. Yeah, it's yeah the savat, but but they even kind of try to hint at you. They're like, "Hey, this ship was sort of rushed, and it's not really finished." Yeah, and so like the thing, like they're trying to. I think they're trying to encourage you. Like, you probably want to mod this thing. Yeah, start start putting parts on this and see how you like it. Yeah. And I think at one point I did find like upgraded, like more fuel efficient engines that like I started to be able to like get a little more like distance out of its out of its fuel. But um, but the thing is, when that thing enters combat, you realize, oh, it's damn near indestructible. Like, oh, yeah, it can just absorb hit after hit from the biggest guns in the game. I, I so I lost the Sebastopol in the first uh, the first time I played. I got decently far. I think I got like this, the second enemy fleet base and, and conquered it. And I ended up losing the Sebastopol, but not losing the game all the way, basically. Um, and so in the fight where I lost it, though, it lost its engines, most of its engines, right? It just had some some downward facing thrusters. And so like I managed to afterburn and have it hit the ground and actually just plant itself in one spot. And then have the enemy continue to attack it in waves as it oh obliterated God. them, right? That's and it was incredible. the ship was dead, but I had you know waves of enemy ships like gladiators and the little uh, negevs or whatever, like the little gnats and flies and stuff. And ships show up and launch planes to come after it, and it just is shooting them down. And that is awesome. Like that's the kind of fun gameplay stories 
that you cannot get from games that do not have this level of idiosyncratic simulation. Yeah, it's when you get in, they're very rare, they become more common toward the end of the game, but there's one like narrative scripted thing of like Sevastopol versus a near here ship, um, like a little mini Sevastopol, where it's just a full on like battleship slugging map. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And the thing is, like, there's a little bit of like visual interference as like shots are exchanged that like your targeting interface will just disappear into the strobing explosions on the screen. So eventually it's like both teams are like both, both ships are just wreathed in fire and explosions from their batteries, like firing from the impacts of incoming fire. Um, probably things are burning. Yeah. And it's incredible. I, I can't, I can't stress enough the sound and like the, the art and sound in this game are just incredible. This is, Everything about this game looks and sounds amazing, and I think it helped me forgive it so many flaws because this thing, everywhere you look, it is just oozing with character. Yeah, and it has so much charming stuff in it, and the the way the characters are shown is very visual novel-esque. They have so much details, beautifully done art, and even though they're sort of very flatly characterized, you still, you still get a kind of attached to them. Right. I did. I did like, there's, there's some things toward the end of the game where like, no, my, my command team, I love my guys. Um, and like, I think they smartly don't go overboard with stuff, but I was coming to the end. And I was like, I wouldn't have minded more story around some of these, some of these characters. Yeah. And like I wouldn't mind more story in the future. Like it sort of ends on a cliffhanger. Um, yeah. Uh, and I think all this stuff ends up like working pretty well together. I think you know over on Rock Paper Shotgun, uh, if you want the alternate take, Sin Vega wrote a review of this that like Sin saw all the stuff we're talking about. It's not like Sin was under right. any illusions about like what the game is or what's trying to do. Like. You know, that review basically identifies the things that like when this game came out last July and I was like, I don't get it and moved on. Sin got it right away. Just didn't really mesh with it because like in Sin's estimation, all these pieces like no sooner was like one part being really satisfying than another was sort of get under your skin or be obnoxious. Yeah. Um, And I and I see how you get there. Um, But my experience ended up being like ultimately the process of learning all these things was so satisfying that I forgave the fact that like it shouldn't have been this hard to pick all this stuff up. It shouldn't have been, it shouldn't have taken me so long to realize like, Hey, um, you can break every enemy code and like parse all their information. And it's if so just, satisfying and cool, yeah. right? Like you can, oh, we recovered this scrap of a code book from a downed enemy ship. So now we, we got an idea of what this means. And it's, if you're like a code breaker puzzle person, it's not hard. It's just like a substitution cipher. But that, that little extra bite of immersion is great. Yeah, I... um. 
and the fact that like increasingly because getting the little code fragments is often a do you want this or do you want like some other treasure from a downed ship oh yeah it's like um, okay these the the main battery of the ship you've just taken down is on fire but not destroyed and also the captain's cabin is on fire but not destroyed pick which one you're going to try and salvage but you hit a point where you're like i don't even need their code books like i can just brute force this because like i now know what these message templates look like and i know the call sign like i right. know like i know rate like at this position this is probably so and so so i just need to figure out what what is the code that makes that call sign read correctly and the rest of the message will like like be readable yeah um so at this point i'm gonna give people a heads up we're entering spoiler town so if you don't like if you're like wow high fleet sounds really interesting first of all we haven't touched on the half of it there's really cool story stuff happening uh really? in it there's forgot about the diplomacy mini game where like also you have to recruit people to your cause yeah and like through a conversational like uh card game to where you sort of suss out like well basically you're turning the big knob that says racism but across yeah. a variety of topics to see like if they if they cheer see see um, who cheers and who doesn't and yeah we haven't even really gotten into like splitting up multiple fleets for a more strategic game experience right like you can have independent strike groups operating and that that becomes really basically mandatory in the end game but if you're like i've heard enough i'm interested i want to like get into some high fleet myself let this be the end of the show and go enjoy high fleet and like maybe come back after you've beaten it because from here we're gonna talk about the end game which like hides a lot of key information about like what you're actually doing here and then recasts how you have to play the game so uh join us after a little pause here for the spoiler section. Okay, Wait. so yeah. Before we jump into the end game, I want to talk about a different secret. Okay. Did you ever find the hidden people? The hidden city? The hidden cities. I found a couple, but not all of them. Wild. Blew my mind the first time I found one. Right? What's, what's going on with the hidden cities? They're insane. They're, they're such a key part of the whole strategy of the game is that like, yeah, there's turns out there's whole cities out here in the desert that like you didn't know about. And also neither do the other guys in charge. Did you hear, by the way, I didn't realize this. Like they said, keep an eye on the ground, but I didn't really know what they meant by that. I was like trying to keep an eye on the IR scanner. Maybe is that what they meant? I didn't realize that when you zoom in close enough and your map, your ship yeah. flying over the featureless desert. No, like literally if you see tracks leading out to a place where there shouldn't be anything, yeah, follow the track. Road heading east into the desert. There's nothing east of here in the desert. Yeah, maybe I should go check that out. There's these big holes on the map where you can find those hidden cities, and they're they're clutch, right? Because the the enemy will never find them. You can hide there for as long as you want. They will even will they pursue you into a hidden city? No. Whoa. You can hide in a hidden city, and they will never. At least in my experience, they would never find you. Oh my god. Which is wild, right? Yeah, like, because I remember they had, like, nice prices, and they had, like, decent selections, so I was like, yeah, cool bonus, but, like, I didn't, I didn't realize, like, they were that key to... I think, I think every strategy I ever came up with involved having a hidden city to to sort of tuck away my flagships and best units in, while I sent out smaller strike parties, or 
Um, they're such they're a great place to take off from and yeah, then throw like pirates bay. Throw some cruise missiles towards an enemy strike group that you know is around. Uh, it's great stuff. Um, apparently, there's also the thing I missed where you r- routinely get these messages. Uh, just addressed to son of Sayadi. You're, you're Mark Sayadi, who's the right. um, prince of this empire. But son of Sayadi, uh, Al Sahir wishes to meet. And I never found whoever Al Sahir is. Now, it's not clear to me is that like a Tarkon? That like that's just a, like if you haven't gotten breadcrumbs to the next Tarkon, those messages teach you like where the next one is, or it's like Al Sahir a specific dude that I'm supposed to meet, uh, that is doing something else. Uh-huh. Um, but like that is that is something that I'm really interested. Actually, I'm looking this up right now. Al Sahir is a dude. Al Sahir is a character oh, in the game. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Um, so the end of the game. Wait, here's a different one. Have you ever tried to recruit the bad guys? Which bad guys? The Lord Governor. I never was at no, like, because every <laughs> every time I talked to him, the conversation turned out to be like, well, time to get in our ships and kill each other. Exactly. Well, you can what recruit do you them. have to max out to do it. Uh, you, when you meet him, you, uh, you meet up, you talk, he takes, he's got a giant fucking flagship, the Varyag, I think is what it is. Um, but like, if you don't threaten him, right, if you're not like, I've got nukes, or you're not afraid of the darkness, or trying to stab him and none of that stuff. Right. You have to choose something to the effect of like, I, the people think I'm a prophet, right? Like you have to go Paul Atreides on him. You need to have maximized the, I am the, I'm the body. Basically. Right. Um, and if that is true and I, you know, I don't know for sure, but I bet you have to succeed at some other events during the game to sort of max them out, max that out. Um, like I met like the the Doyen or something like that during that run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's some other special characters. Um, but you get a recruitment minigame. You get the diplo- diplomacy minigame and you can start talking to him like, Are you ready to join and fight with me? But that's if you like maximize like your profit path. Basically. I mean, that's what I did when that happened to me. Which that, is why I wonder if that compensates for the fact that like profit path makes a lot of other things harder. Because, like, this is, so, the thing is, this is, and it's so well executed. And I think this is almost tipped in the prologue. Where, on the one hand, the prologue, it's like, it's all systems and military order and hierarchy. And then you discover your your homeland was nuked while you were away. And uh, you are now the, you know, you are now the emperor. Um, and it's kind of, we're going to stand here and, like, fight. Uh, and we're going to make our last stand here. Right. And everyone begins just like cheering and like firing the shots off and the, the high fleet logo kicks on, the incredible soundtrack kicks on. And right there you're at the margin of like I just watched Lawrence of Arabia and we talked about it on the uh Patreon pod, but like that boundary line between military leadership and like profit. Right. And high fleet operates. It's about that boundary line. 
to an yeah. extent. And you can you're, lean in to you are being not like a a well disciplined, well ordered military with a hierarchical command structure that everyone respects by the time the game starts. You are during the prologue, but by the time the game kicks off, you're you're a warlord. You're an asshole with a lot of guns. You are you are assembling you're 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 the leader of the Romani Empire. Right. But you're not in uh, the Romani Empire anymore, right. really. You are suppressing nobles who have led a revolt over the subject people of Gerard. Right. The native people there are the Elaim, but they have their own differences. And then there are like breakaway nobles and like Ronin essentially yeah. on the landscape. And so yeah, you were constantly like, uh, well, there's my like old line officers from the Admiralty. Right. Then there's like my new mercenary allies. And then there's the Elaim who have their own customs and traditions that are at odds with the Romani Imperial officers. Right. Uh, who are also steadily decaying in terms of like military order and discipline, right? Like once like it doesn't take long Absolutely. before an army turns into a mob. And so you hit these 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 choices. But like you can you can lean into the like order, discipline, master and commander type, like we're gonna we're gonna keep the ship together, or you can lean fully into via these story events. Oh no, this is a time of prophecy. And I am the one who's coming, what's foretold. And if you do that, a lot of your friends are gonna be like, Oh, well, you've just lost your mind. Right. Like yeah. you went from like yesterday, you're like, Yep, I'm the prince and the admiral of this 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 fleet. And the next day you're like, I'm Jesus. And Let's I am go. here to yeah, I'm here to take us all to the kingdom of God. Do not mind the fact that the sun has been blotted out. That just happens, by the way. If you're if you're playing the game and you're oh, wondering, yeah. Hey, why is there a thermometer uh, like prominently displayed in your interface? <laughs> like, why do I need to know the air temperature? Ah, you'll find out. Like, some stuff happens. Things should happen. Don't worry about it too much. So, but do. And yeah, so like every time I went to the, like the full profit route, a lot of your friends are like, oh, I don't like this. Especially because the more you discover about the prophecy, it is a really traditional messianic prophecy in some ways, which is the world will reject this man and think he's like speaking madness. Uh, it yeah. will, it will find him worthless. He will be rejected. Like all these things. And everyone's like, no, 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 no. We want like, where's our badass like heaven sent deliverer that, that is going to like unite the nations. Right. And the Bible you keep finding is like, oh yeah. Uh, like nothing but bad things are going to attend this man. Um, that's because he's chosen by God. And so if you like, there are choices there. Like, do you start just manipulating the prophecy to like cut a better right. revolutionary figure? Or do you fully buy in to the fact that like, you, know, you also have to imagine your guy being like, well, time to start dressing in rags and uh, like <laughs> washing the feet of my fleet. Yeah. Uh, people are like, dude, you've lost it. Like I don't. And, and it becomes a morale problem. But late in the game, you have to have committed something. Like, if you've hedged your bets and been like, I'm going to be a little bit of a holy figure, a little bit of a disciplinarian, that's not going to work. There are checks that you have to pass that, like, you have to have really committed to one of these paths. Yeah, you have to really satisfy a lot of 
different groups of people. And it's it's great because it's not even as simple as that it is a binary choice between those two things, because there's also other things to commit to, oh, other yeah. moralities available, right? There's like well, and those your, negotiation your culture, games their culture. It. Yeah. Uh, then there's, there's like whether you care about the aristocracy versus the people, like it, there's all these complicated things that you're pushing against each other and deciding whether or not your character believes in them and when you're willing to like talk out of the side of your mouth about them to someone just yep. to sort of get them to join your cause temporarily. Those are all really great moments and they do all affect the morale of your fleet uh, just as much in the same way as losing a ship with all hands versus losing a ship with successful escape pods does. So I also love that the game detected when I did a suicide dive with a ship and was like, Hey, no kamikazes. Like you can't do that. And I was like, you got me, you got me. And it knew the difference between when I just rammed a ship accidentally maneuvering right. in combat versus like when I aim, like, I think it's detect. It's a bit like, um, you know, like almost collision sensors after like a car accident where like it's like did you find camera? skid marks yeah like yeah. Did you find skid marks trying to evade or was someone on the gas till the very end um but the uh so the end of the game yeah as you probably should have suspected because like even along the way you're like i don't see how taking kiva is going to I don't see all, how taking their capital. All you know is that Kiva supposedly has a reactor, right? Yeah. And they don't, I don't think they do a great job of explaining it to you in the game itself, but it's really prominent in the rule book, which is like you're on an entire planet and there are two functional nuclear reactors and the people who control them are superpowers. This is a third functional nuclear reactor, right? It's been unearthed in Kiva. You should probably go check that out. And so you get there. Yeah. And you discover that, yeah, there's a reactor. There's also a bottomless arsenal of nuclear weapons. Yeah. And by the way, you also learn that your right hand man and military mentor did this entire, made you go on this entire campaign under false pretenses. Uh, yep. He faked a transmission and concealed orders so like it turns out the war has been raging elsewhere the royal family is not dead um but it's this so guy has cool. just decided we're gonna win this war over here and it doesn't matter what's happening in the homeland yeah um and when that breaks like someone's gonna get killed um i'm not sure you can save both your your mentors uh you know no, the i don't think Martin, you, i don't know that you can yeah. but um but he gets there and he's like, I fucked up. This isn't gonna like this isn't gonna solve anything. Like we're sitting now on an arsenal of nukes. They can't let us have the city. And that's where they introduce this notion. Now, you've had nukes from the start of the game. Yes, you the, the Sebastopol starts the game, you have to take it with you. It has a nuclear cruise missile. Yeah. Done. And you're warned, once you start using the nukes, the enemy will use nukes. They have them. Yep. And then the game gets real dangerous because, like, the thing about nukes is they act like cruise missiles, but when they detonate, the blast radius is basically the full the full combat screen. Yeah, it's unavoidably and, massive. 
yeah so like direct hits will kill just about anything but even if you like intercept the nuke and like burst it in the air doesn't matter it's like any small ships in the fleet that it targets are dead yeah uh most of the mid-sized ships will be like crippled at best um and then large ones will be like devastated yeah so like so once you start nuclear war your best case scenario in a lot of combats is pick a small ship in your fleet you don't need and send it out to meet its maker every time you think there's a nuke incoming at the end of the game they're like uh so the enemy is wheeling into position like missile boats basically like nuclear like submarines but they're all airships but like like huge ships with like just full racks of missiles yeah and they're trying to get them within launch range of kiva just like because if they if they do not control the city they will nuke it to pieces because it's it's got their entire nuclear arsenal and back their back stock of nuclear weapons in it right and so they don't want you to have it they would rather nuke it than let you have it and so the the end game is we are now in nuclear war like all enemy ships will use nukes like they are not like they are so desperate. It is no longer retaliatory. They have entered a first strike posture. They are going yeah. to use their nukes. Which also means smoke them if you got them. Uh, you, yep. you if you you got access to a stockpile of nukes, start loading them up. And toward the end of this game, they like you meet up with another uh, like flagship class ship that uh, will be another carrier. But also your allies along the way, depending on the strength of your relationship, will either commit a little bit or a lot to this last battle. And so no matter, like, we alluded to the fact that you can, like, manage multiple strike groups throughout the game. Right. Here in the end game, it does turn into, now you're basically like Chester Nimitz in World War. Like, you are not leading a fleet, you are leading all the fleets. And you can't survive without it. Right, because they need to be, like, you need to fan out because, like, there's so many possible launch points for these these missile weapons. Yeah, and, like, uh, up until sort of the, the quite late game, you have these cruise missiles, right, like, that have a range of, like, 1,600 kilometers yeah. or something like that, and they're pretty fast. They're, like, 900 kilometers an hour, and they're pretty cool, badass cruise missiles, but then the, like, the theater scale missiles that the ai has at the end are so remarkably much faster than that right they are full-on like i don't know like ramjet powered insane icbms and they go faster than anything else in the game as far as the minute the minute the like screen opens to begin the combat encounter you're just tapping c to launch anti-missile rockets you're praying um which you can never have enough of um because right. they can get depleted. And so you're, yeah. Uh, yeah, so the end of this game turns into, if you can get within shooting range of people, great. But, like, a huge portion of it is going to be, I think there's an enemy fleet over there. I'm firing a nuke in that direction because, fuck yeah. it. I'm, I'm like, firing a, a radar-seeking nuke. Because yep. if their radar's on, fuck them. Yeah. And so the end of the game, like, you will still have pitched battles, and they're cool as shit, because, like, now chances are you have all sorts of like heavyweight material coming yeah. into the game. Like you will have multiple capital ships, but also you will be using all those SIGINT tools to just make educated guesses about like, I'm going to fire a nuke over here and one over there and uh-huh. like let God sort it out. 
Um, now, and, uh, it, ironically, the game I won, I ended up not being able to. I fanned out so quickly, I didn't get enough time on the ground to load up my nuke stockpile. But oh, really? I had built a lot of carriers. I had bought a lot of carriers along the way, and I invested heavily in uh, cruise missiles. And so, ironically, while I'd had a couple versions of the end game that did turn into just like nuclear tennis matches, uh, the one I did best at was basically having multiple groups out there coordinating like search radar and like cruise missile barrages that just like hammered them down before they could even like figure out where I was. Um, and so I was constantly doing things of like a bit like um, smoke out their interceptor aircraft with my escort carrier by sending a group of, like sacrificial bombers right and then the real airstrike comes in from a different point of the compass etc all this stuff ends up coming into play where you're trying to time it so that their you know fighters are on the ground or their missile racks are empty um and that ended up being really effective like the sheer quantity of long-range guided munitions i was able to bring to bear was as effective as a new um with the you know, added bonus of I wasn't wiping out any settlements along the way. So like once I cleared a little spot, I was able to get over there. And in the end game, the settlements in your area are just packed with like friendlies who want to join you. Yeah. Um and so like you get reinforcements if you can push out your defensive line. And so that's another part of the end game is you kind of land grab the furthest defensive positions you can get because you will get tons of reinforcements from these outlying settlements yep. before you get driven in. It's so much. And it's such a, once you understand that that's kind of how it works, it's like, yeah, you need as many allies with as many bases as possible. I feel like in, in later playthroughs, I did a lot of like leaving a couple ships behind at a lot of cities along the way, just so I knew that I would have yes. a defended position there and some allies there. Yeah. Like you, you, they give you a lot of scratch ships and you realize like maybe part of why they're there is just to like, you will know if they get taken out. Um, yeah. And so you'll have to pay attention to that too. There's and then you're playing that value. game of like, how much can I safely divide? Right? Like the, the most tense part of the end game for me was realizing that like, I had a couple fleets that were big enough to basically take on anything, but like, there were like eight places I needed to defend and like they're in opposite directions. And I had two fleets. So like there was a real like nerve wracking bit where it was like, I think I've gathered all the information I can. And now I just need to kind of gut level commit these fleets. Yeah. Just go for it to these territories. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just, interesting like, that, that that was the experience you had, especially the first time around, because what I had was basically like nuclear midway where I had the in it, like, I ran. I was fucking terrified, so I, I retreated, right? Um, yeah. This is the first time I was successful. The first time I got to Kiva, this all happened, and I got nuked to shit and died. The second time, I knew what was coming a little bit better. And so I had basically one massive central fleet, right? backed up by a sort of smaller fleet with uh, a much smaller fleet 
composed almost entirely of really good ships, right? And then I sort of danced around for a while to try and figure out where the enemy was, where they were coming from. I isolated and damaged part of a fleet. And then they ended up just sort of death falling together into one giant oh. chunk. And I was like, this is terrible, right? I, I think the whole, I think they might have all grouped up over there based on like, you know, intercepts and what I had. So what I ended up doing was sort of, I scattered just a little bit and I, I sent out a bit of a force to figure out where the enemy was. Um, and then I got hit pretty hard by a, a good size enemy attack, right? Some missiles came in and I had to send out some ships and I had deploy most of my air power and then i was like okay i think they'll be over there right and so i had my sort of secondary fleet which had been completely loaded up with nukes at kiva yep. just throw them all oh my god down range and that was where the enemy was and they just got obliterated by a salvo of nuclear weapons they combined their fleets they were all so close together mm. right yeah, just a little cluster of like I think that's four, really fortunate. Yeah, four of those like, in-game fleets, and they just—they I mean they got obliterated. It was gruesome. Oh wow, because yeah, they because uh, also it's not just the uh, missile boats that show up; it is that all the enemy strike groups sort of come into the area. Yeah, um, that are that are oh, yeah any remaining strike groups and tactical groups, the aircraft enemy aircraft carrier groups that you didn't deal with on the way in. Yeah immediately turn and head for you which again like further reason to like kind of have a really kinetic violent like swath you carve to kiva because oh, yeah. like every single ship you kill along the way is one viewer you'll have to face uh in the end game so like yeah 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 i feel like oh, the only ships that just spawn i mean maybe i'm wrong but the only ships that just spawn out of nowhere in the whole game are those in-game missile carrier ships right yeah, I I think so, but I don't know. It did kind of feel like how many strike there's five strike groups, right? I think so. Kind of feel like I had killed molt like a few, and then they still had like three at the end. No, there's like and, six. I think there are six strike okay, groups. Okay. Um I don't know. It just it felt to me like I, I swear to god I killed mo more than more of these than or maybe what I'd had was some ugly carrier battles, uh, and I just assumed I'd run into a strike group because yeah. the butcher's bill was so high. The the fights but with like, the carrier groups can be way worse than the fights with the strike groups, simply yeah. because they're willing to throw. Uh, if you can't locate them well either, like they'll just throw planes at you over and over and over. Yeah, which is brutal. It's well, yeah. And if the missile groups see you. You're just dead. Like, oh yeah. Uh, I, I was playing with Ricardo the other day, and I don't even know how they saw us because, like, we were like running dark, and just out of the blue, our freshly purchased uh, like assault corvette just got nailed by a missile, and that was all she wrote. Like, it was, you know, we oh. had just spent like, can we afford this thirty thousand? Yeah, I think we can. And literally a second later, it's just scrap. Like, direct hit from missile is just gone. It's so brutal. It's so brutal. It's a great game. Yeah. Uh, and I like uh, having the second time I've beaten the game twice. The second time I beat it, I didn't go to Kiva until I had destroyed every strike group and tactical group the enemy had on the map. 
because I was like, I want to know what this end game is like if you if you know what's coming, right? If you if you commit to a, a serious war and try and defeat them, um, and it is it's very different. It's much easier, obviously, but uh, yeah. I like that there are several different ways that you can win. Yeah, it feels like like I beat the game. I turned around. I started trying different things, right? Like I was like, okay, now I'm going to try to like. I still haven't fully committed to. I would love to see how how much can I do if I fully commit to spreading out as thin as possible, and like just maximizing like the information I'm gathering and like the amount of like loot I pick up. Like, can I roll into the end game with just like multiple like first rate fleets just like coming up yeah maybe uh, you can yeah like because they're like some of them ships are real cool like some of those end game like capital ships are, are pretty incredibly cool. fun yeah something bugged me did, did you have this where you would get your starting selection of ships but if you selected some classes you just it would like sell you sell them the minute you started the new game and it was like you can't like I'd be um, like, okay, I want to, I want this, I want this, I want this tanker, and so you can't have a tanker at the start of the game. It's like, well, why is it in that card selection for like ships to bring? My understanding is there's some bugs with that stuff floating around with like okay. ship selection, and there's some parts that you're not supposed to be able to put on ships that are on some of them, like NPC only parts that are on ships you can capture or get from like a Tarkan joining you, and so. If you start the game with any of those ships, they instantly vanish. That's what I was. That's what some I saw someone write. Okay, that's a bummer, right? Because I think like it's discouraging that some of the most interesting, like oh, I like once you played a bunch of the game, when you re rack, you have really interesting like options presented to you for like what do you want your starting fleet to be. Yeah, but then having made decisions based on that, you'll start and immediately hear the cash register sound as shit gets sold out from under you. Yeah. Because like, it's like, oh, we sold our prizes. And it's like, that wasn't a prize. You, you offered that to me as part of my starting. You told me I could have that. Yeah. Now I don't have a tanker. I wonder if it's just, it is just the prize ships even. Specifically. It it makes no sense to me. Um, But it was, it was like, it was, it was frustrating. Uh, because I did really want to play around with more. Um, it puts limits on how aggressively you can play with uh, running really like long range strike group strategies if you don't have like a big tank. Yeah, it does, absolutely. But at the same time, that is a situation to design it yourself, I guess, right? Because you can you can just DIY ships and bring them with you at the start, which I think is one of the cooler things about this game. If you get really into it. You can design your own ships and start start a, a run at this with completely custom equipment, which is neat. Um Yeah, so I am I'm sitting here, I was like, that like the High Fleet ended up being one of my games of the year. Like Really? Yeah, it was just too fascinating. Like I was so frustrated and angry with this game so much. Right. But god damn, the highs were high. And like just the vibe of the game overall, just the way it presents itself yeah, and like the way it rewards like paying attention that way. I just came out of it like 
it is a tremendous game. Uh, I think if it had maybe had a slightly more effective tutorial, it would have been easier to see that from the start. Um, or if it just yeah. had a big old read the manual button yeah. on the main please, menu. Please go and read our manual right now. Yeah, because it's a great manual. So like, don't don't hide that yeah. under a bushel. Yeah, it's not even like terrible. It just it, it's like well laid out. The graphic design is solid. I, it's it's funny to me how good the manual is. Yeah, for there to being no cue in the game to go and open the manual. Yeah, that's that was that was Why? a killer. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I highly recommend it, and I wish, like, I think it puts so many other other Navy games to shame too, just in terms of like how vividly these systems are realized. Um, Absolutely. I was thinking about. I played. Do you ever play Norm Coger's Navy games? Uh, a while back, it was like Jutland and. Uh, I can't remember what his other one was. No, I don't. Um, I don't think I did. I'm looking this up real quick. Uh, distant guns. That's right, distant guns. So, part of it was just, um, you know, typical like. Ragnarok war game shit interface type stuff. Um, sure. That was an issue with that, uh, where it has a strategic layer that was completely impossible to understand without like reading every inch of a manual. But the other part was ships of this era did rely on a lot of those systems telegraphs uh radio intercept um you know lots of lots of like gadgets and, and gizmos and such um but it never brought to life this notion of like you know this thing that's often described in like the the massey book about world war one for instance that like the ship is this tiny little like illuminated circle of ocean sees just this tiny little fraction of right. what is around it and then anything in the world could be out there and you rely on these connections with headquarters these little glimpses into like signals intelligence that give you some inkling of what's out there um and this game gets at that like this game gets at what's interesting about a naval campaign in a way that so many games about naval campaigns don't come just don't. anywhere close yeah, to. Yeah, absolutely. Front. And it also understands a lot about what what does an insurgency look like when someone's mm -hmm. fighting against massive outnumbered odds, right? What is what does that war look like? How do they how do they fight it? What are their concerns? Are they more concerned with maneuver or are they actually more concerned if they're going to be able to feed everyone next week, right? Yeah, it really digs into those kinds of conflicts in a way that other games supposedly about those conflicts just don't. And it makes me, in many ways, my greatest compliment for High Fleet is that I wish there was more of it. I wish it yeah. was more complicated. Like, I wish I wish you were making me manage ground forces, too, or something. Right? Just fucking go all in. Give me a little taste of uh, another code cipher system yeah uh to play around with absolutely um, maybe a more complicated uh aircraft interception yeah air combat and uh, maybe and maybe game. it's all right there at the boundary of what's feasible given like how much like because 
if you like slow down and take care of all the stuff in close detail, pace of play does slow to a crawl. It might be absolutely exactly as complicated as they can get away with. But I think where I really came out wanting more high fleet is they didn't really write an ending to the game. Like no. you win, and they're like, Marty, you have to. <laughs> we need to go to the future. It's something. It's about your kids. It's kind of ends on that note where Doc yeah. Brown is like, "Holy shit, uh, game changer! Quick, come see this!" And then like hard cut to credits game over yeah um and i'm like i am so interested in the next part of the story and like what else is out there in the world because it is it's a great setting it was a great game in a great setting yeah and at the end i'm like yep uh if there's more of this if there's more of the story more of this game i am fully on board yeah um, because the the mood is there the the voices of the people are there the aesthetic is there the the condensation on your view screen is there and that is enough to draw me into this game despite what i see as you know very glaring flaws and frustrations i want to play it anyways and in a different way than i i like to get on here and be like this game is terrible and i love it um this game is actually very good and i love it but it is also terrible um it it is a it is a it is a harsh game to enjoy as much as i do it requires more investment of time and effort than i want it to yes but i'm still ready to play high fleet 2 yeah uh, but i think like on those harder difficulties that people save scum like yeah. i don't think i don't think the roguelike structure adds a bit to this game i really don't um like because the thing is, it's such a pain in the ass to go back and repeat steps if your save's coming. Like, right. You don't want to. You don't want to. The game discourages saves coming just by virtue of like being the type of game it is. But like so much is there to like, hey, what if we just maximize how big the setbacks can be uh, from the smallest little laps? Yeah. That, that kind of sucks. And I think that's probably the, that is the decision more than anything else that I'm like, this needlessly handicaps the game. Right. And discourages we, you from playing on more satisfying difficulty. You know, there's kind of a problem with a roguelike when you've got easily available instructions from the community and how to go in and copy your save. Right? So that you don't lose it. Yep. Losing should be fun. And it's not on these harder difficulties. It's just not. No, even though the game is. Like, bigger battles, yeah. there's more opportunities for loot, and like, like yeah, there's the shit the game scales really aggressively at higher difficulties uh right. but yeah you don't necessarily want to engage with that uh with the with the um you know single save system enabled but yeah i think that will do it for this week that will do it for high fleet uh if you end up giving it a shot or have you in a shot let us know i'm always curious to see what people make of this game uh if if the table is set for them um or if you just yeah. stumbled into it like and a, it's so like a polarizing. Goose into a jet engine. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 and like I was at both poles. Like I went from like I want this game I want this game to burn in hell. And now I'm basically like, yeah, I think uh twenty twenty one gave us, you know, one truly true masterpiece, and that's High Fleet. Uh, and so Dang. everyone else go to school on it. Uh, anyway, this episode was produced by Liana Hayfer. He was ahead of his host in the Adult Members Network. 
You can learn more about the show and dis- discuss this episode with our community at 3movieshead.net or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash 3MA. Finally, 3 Moves Ahead is supported by listeners just like you on Patreon. Uh, so check it all out at patreon.com slash 3MA. We'll be back next week with another episode of 3 Moves Ahead. Until then, this is Rob Zachney saying goodnight.